0: What could your nonprofit or local unit of government do with up to $3,000 in Portage Health Foundation grant funds to improve the health of our community? Last year, the Amik Fire Department purchased new safety equipment. Ontsnoggin Schools added a water bottle filling station. The Keweenaw Family Resource Center funded education for new parents. The Keweenaw Nordic Ski Club improved grooming at Mostohito Trails. The possibilities are endless.
1: We can't wait to see what your group will do with the
0: Portage Health Foundation's $3,000 small grant opportunity. Learn more at phfgive.com.
1: .org. Welcome back to Copper Country Today. I'm Grant DuCetto joined by Michael Lutz, the executive director at Omega House. Yesterday, a big fundraiser put on by Finlandian nursing students. Um, as far as fundraisers go, how many does Omega House do each year? And is that one of the bigger ones or is it pretty average?
0: Well, I would say, um, you know, we do ourselves uh, two major fundraisers. Uh, we'll have one coming up in June, our annual golf outing that's now in its 19th year, and um, we are planning on doing our annual fall concert up at the Calumet Theater on October 2nd. Um, both of those um, generally um, uh, will profit somewhere in the eight to $10,000 range, so we're hoping for uh, a successful fundraising year we'll, we'll have to see on in October and, and how the... Uh, visiting uh, restrictions are in place there, but um, the other fundraisers that take place in a community such as the pancake breakfast yesterday, um, that would be, um, you know, one of the fundraisers that many community members put on. Um, Finlandia uh, University Nurses Association has been doing this annual event uh, for 13, 14 years now. and. I'm off the top of my head saying that it's probably made over $25,000, um, over those, uh, the course of that time. So, um, you know, we have at multiple times throughout the year. Fundraising is always taking place for Omega house. Um, currently right now, uh, through the month of April, if you go to Goodwill on Saturdays, uh, they're going to ask you to round up to the nearest dollar and, uh, those proceeds will come to Omega House, um, and this year um, there's something new with the canal run that takes place in July. Uh, the Portage Health Foundation is uh, awarding the proceeds from that event to Omega House as well. So there's there's the ones that we put on, and then there's the ones that the communities uh, around us put on. So um, it's it's kind of like all year round that uh, somebody's raising money. Uh, for our end-of-life care mission.
1: Last year, how much did COVID affect the fundraising efforts? Were there certain things that you were able to still get in?
0: You know, we only were able to do our golf outing, um, which was put off until August. Every year it's in June, but last year we had to push it out two months. Uh, we were not able to do our fall concerts. So, yeah, fundraising um, was 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 down last year. We, we kind of expected that. We are actually thinking that might be the case this year yet. Um, we're still early in the year, but um, we're going to watch it. So, yeah, uh, COVID has uh, played a definite uh, role in, in how we raise money at Omega House.
1: Let's talk about Omega House and the history of the facility. It goes back at least as far as kind of the, the back of the napkin sketch to 1999, but it re- wasn't until, say, 2004 before the construction of the facility actually began.
0: Yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, the early days go back to the late 90s uh, when a group of folks got together and, and, you know, kind of penciled it out. But um, that reality or that, you know, it became a reality in 2004 when the building was put up. And then we uh, opened for business officially in the fall of 2005, um, I believe in September. So uh, this past September, we reached our 15-year anniversary serving our community and. And over that time, um, we've cared for nearly 700 uh, terminally ill hospice residents of, of the Upper Peninsula.
1: When the facility first opened, was end-of-life care essentially the primary uh, uh, function, or did you have other things going on at that time, or were they added in later?
0: You know, um, when, when it was first opened, uh, came out, our our main mission was end of life care. And and that still remains today. Um, That was our our primary focus. Uh, Since that time, you know, we we have branched out uh, and created some programs that are related to end of life, but reach out to a broader group of the community. Um, Some of those programs would be um, advanced care planning. And um, what is that that's kind of like planning your care in advance is what I tell folks It's you know, talking to your family up front, early um, in the end of life process, even as young folks, um, we need to be aware that, you know, none of us are going to get off this planet alive and that, you know, we, we need someone to be our advocate in case we're in a situation where we can't speak for ourselves. And, um, we all have a certain way we want to pass. And, um, at end of life, if you haven't had those discussions, um, it can get uh, you know quite difficult and um, you know a real stressful situation. So we ask that you know um, you start discussing your your end of life situation earlier in life, and, and we can help facilitate those conversations and uh, direct you to um, you know the right information that you might need to make a good decision. Um, uh, about three years ago, maybe four now, we um, converted a portion of our garage into um, our eighth room at Omega House, and that's just designated for respite care. So respite care would be folks that um, obviously are you know not in an end-of-life situation, but need some form of um, uh, health care because maybe, um, well, we all know someone that's been caring for mom or dad or grandma or grandpa at home and that becomes a full-time job for the caregiver. And, and sometimes you just miss out on those special events, uh, weddings, or you haven't had a vacation in 20 years um, because you're taking care of grandma. Well, you can bring grandma up to Omega House and we'll do the care for a couple of weeks while you go away to that event. Um, so that helps with, you know, giving uh, a temporary a break for caregivers. It could also be used for someone who may have had a recent surgery and um, maybe just isn't ready to go home yet, doesn't have the support network at home to uh, finish their rehab. Uh, That could also be done up at Omega House, so we could um, take care of that person for a few days to a few weeks until they're strong enough to go home. One other program that uh, has been around for a few years is we do uh, provide grief support to the community. Um, Part of what we do at Omega house is we make sure we're caring for, you know, the resident, but also for their families. After the resident is gone, uh, the memories still last. And um, we want to be there for family members that are struggling with grief. So we provide a monthly, uh, grief workshop. That's, uh, we call it the third Thursday. So every third Thursday of the month from five until six, um, you can right now get on a zoom call with, um, our people. And, uh, we'll, we'll talk through, um, what you're going through in, in a group setting, you know, most everybody on the call is suffering from the same types of, um, troubles. So, um, You can do it that way. If you're not comfortable with that format, we will do um, one-on-one discussions. So um, that's kind of been, you know, the focus has always been end-of-life care, uh, but we want to be able to reach out to more folks, and that's what these other programs are allowing us to do.
1: I'll kind of hit on all of those different programs one by one, starting with the advanced care planning. I think if you talk to lawyers, it's really difficult to get people who are younger to come in and have a discussion on things like wills and trust and that to set aside um, plans for when they pass away. Do you get pushback on advanced care planning from younger people, or do you find that they're rather receptive to the idea?
0: Well, you know, um, you're right. I I think, you know, the majority of folks that we talk to about advanced care planning are probably, you know, uh, seniors, people that are heading towards retirement and kind of putting all their ducks in a row. Um, I think, as a young person, we just, you know, we don't we don't think of of death um, at such an early age, and 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 it's understandable. Um, and trying to change that mind frame is, is you know always uh, problematic. And and you know we do our best to do that. Um, you know I know the physicians in the community will work with um, their patients and, and kind of help them along. And, you know, it's, it's more not just an Omega health thing, but I think it's, it's, you know, a community wide, we all have to be behind um, advanced care planning and just keep the word out there that, you know, it's, it's not a bad idea to start thinking about these when you're things when you're younger.
1: And I would think that even with fundraisers and the like, you still have quite a bill that will rack up depending on how long you're involved with end-of-life type care, that maybe just having that discussion, kind of what you'll need to have set aside would be an important one, especially now that uh, parents and that, they don't have as many kids as they used to. So you can't necessarily count on the next generation to be able to help you out a whole lot financially.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, there's most families are, are two-person uh, working families now. And, you know, having having funds put aside um, and decisions made of how, how you want your end-of-life experience to be are the questions that need to be talked about. And, you know, when it comes to, you know, what does end-of-life care cost, um, you know, it, I, I've always been told that we spend, you know, 90% of our healthcare costs in the last two years of our life. And, um, and that may be true, but when you come to Omega House, you know, many people, you know, we always have to explain how it works. You know, we don't bill Medicare, we don't bill Medicaid or third party insurances. Um, but our care is, uh, you know, the families pay what they can and it's, it's based on a sliding scale Um, It's very affordable and I, you know, often hear families come up thinking that, you know, they're not going to be able to afford to stay at Omega house. And when they find the, you know, hear the daily rate or something, they're just amazed at how cheap it really is. So, you know, if that's something that our listeners are are thinking about now, um, you know, be aware that you have a facility in this community that offers end of life care at a very affordable um, rate. And, um, you know, that's all done through, um, you know, the fundraising and the the generous support that our community, um, you know, uh, donates a a lot of uh, money and and supplies to Omega House. So all of that goes into uh, being able to make it affordable at Omega House. We haven't had a price increase in five years. We're still charging anywhere be, you'll, you'll come into Omega House and pay anywhere from $36 a day up to our full price at $260. Um, most folks fall um, somewhere in the middle of that scale, but um, you know, if you don't have a lot of resources, you won't pay a lot at Omega House, and we don't turn anyone away because of financial issues.
1: And was that kind of one of the one of the I guess the goals when the place was founded was to be able to offer that kind of support that kind of um, the services for for that price point?
0: yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the the model that's taken off across the country now we're we're one of the I would say more senior uh, places uh, out there and and our sliding scale has been adopted by um, many other end of life homes throughout Michigan and across the United States. Um, It's, it's worked well for us Um, and we have a community that supports us well. And, you know, we we're very good stewards with the donations. We, you know, we um, are always thinking of how to make it easier for a a resident to come uh, to Omega house and uh, a few years ago, uh, we started uh, with the help of the family of Gerald Viro, who was an attorney up in the Calumet area for many years. Um, we have this, uh, a Gerald viral fund that, um, community uh, folks can donate to. And those, those donations go directly back to helping people with limited resources. If you meet some financial requirements, um, some of that money is used to provide free care for, uh, you know, Determined amount of time, you know, we'll have to see how the finances work out, but, um, you know, you can get some, uh, you know, a situation where you don't have to pay maybe for the first 10 days of care. So um, there's all these different things that, you know, really make it affordable to stay at Omega House.
1: Getting into the respite care program. You mentioned that it could be anything from an afternoon to a couple weeks. Um, as far as kind of your overall business, what percentage is that you know kind of uh, taking up now? How many people use the program?
0: Well, it, it, it was going you know full steam ahead. I would say maybe you know uh, in you know fifteen, maybe twenty percent in the early days. But COVID has kind of kind of slowed that process. You know, people aren't traveling right now as much. And uh, the room isn't uh, rented as much either. Now it's, you know, as people start feeling more comfortable with roaming about the country, I think our respite program is gonna pick back up. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's generally that one room is occupied uh, about 60% of the time throughout the course of a year. So it's, it's been a good program for us. Um, it's a beautiful room, beautiful view and um, it's $195 a night. Um, so if it's, you know, and it comes with all the comforts of, you know, home, basically, uh, you know, all your meals and cable television and uh, compassionate people. Um, it's, it's, it's a really good program. And uh, we look forward to it getting back up to where it was a, a year and a half ago.
1: If it does get back to normal and you're talking 60% of the time it's occupied, I would guess that means that uh, anybody who wants to use that particular room, they're going to want to plan ahead of time as much as possible.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we we recommend um, families, you know, calling us first if they're thinking of going out of town or something, call us um, and we'll tell you what what days the rooms are, you know, it's available and then you can um, fashion your travel plans around the openings that we have at the house. So yeah, the more time you call ahead of time, the better chance you have of uh, getting that the respite room.
1: As far as the grief and bereavement program goes, is that just for after somebody passes away, or can it be unloading stress when you're a caretaker in the middle of the process of kind of giving end-of-life care within your own residence to a, a loved one or a family member?
0: Yeah, you know, it. it, it we were accepting of anyone and any, um, phase of the grieving process and and i want to make you know everybody know that it's not you can still attend the programs and the workshops even if you haven't had a loved one pass at omega house this is a community-wide event so um anyone that is uh, suffering from grief should give us a call and um we'll put you in touch with the correct people um to get you set up but yeah um It it is open to the entire community.
1: I have a grandmother who's now going to be, well, she's 91 now. She'll be 92 in August, on August 1st. And she's been suffering from dementia for a little over a decade. And for a long time, she was being taken care of by my aunt. My aunt just made the decision to put her into an assisted living facility at the beginning of March of this year. And I think we've definitely seen kind of a renaissance with her. Some of the stimulation that comes with having people her age and um, just extra people that aren't family members, I think, have... um, kind of turn back the clock just a touch. I don't know how long it's going to last, but do you notice that when you get somebody who's getting along in the process as far as end-of-life care goes, that when they show up at Omega House, it actually provides some rejuvenation?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, in in order to get into Omega House, you have to be enrolled with one of the hospice agencies locally here. Um, But when you get here, um, we do see a rebound. And You know, not everyone that comes to Omega House passes that Omega House. Sometimes they thrive and, um, you know, feel strong enough to go home. And, um, you know, it doesn't mean they won't come back at some other point. But, um, yeah, um, we we sent, you know, many folks home uh, that have thrived from the care that they get at
1: Omega House. How tough has the last year been as far as not being able to have families in the facility to visit a whole lot with their loved ones?
0: Yeah, it's been really tough. Um, Not only, obviously, for the families and and even us, you know, we're we're used to having a house that's full of, uh, you know, uh, movement and laughter and just, um, you know, big families coming to spend time with their loved ones. It was very difficult to put that sign on the door that said, "You know, we have visitor restrictions in place." And and as of now, we still have that. We we are allowing two immediate family members to come in and visit, um, but it is tough. I mean, you know, it's tough at end of life. It's it's tough to lose somebody, um, but it's devastating to lose somebody when you can't visit or see them. So. Um, we're hoping for better times and, uh, that could be around the corner here and, you know, uh, the warmer weather's coming again. So now many of the family members can visit from the outside windows. And, um, so we can accommodate a few more folks that way, but, um, yeah, it's been tough for all of us and, um, and, and the families. So, uh, hoping for uh, better times for sure.
1: Have there been some families that, given those restrictions, they haven't enrolled their loved ones in Omega House that maybe had they been able to visit for the last year, they would have?
0: You know, I think it's probably the other way around. Um, you know, the other facilities in town are also having, we're having visitor restrictions and, and probably even tighter than the ones that we have. At end of life, um, the rules are just a little bit um less um, strict. So um, I think people were, were coming to Omega house because of that. And I can, and I can back that up. I mean, we um, were extremely busy last year for the most part. Once people figured out what COVID was all about, I mean, our census dropped quite a bit right after COVID hit because people weren't sure, you know, what, what do I bring, mom or dad to the Omega house or put them in a, a facility I can visit. I'm going to try to keep them at home as long as I can. And of course there was more support at home because people were working remotely. So it's understandable that initially the our census dropped. Uh, but since then, you know, since probably late summer, um, and up to right now we're running with a near full capacity house. So, um, I just, I, I think, you know, what we have seen is that we've, the length of stays with COVID are are shorter. I think people are trying to keep their family members at home as long as they can. So we've been, you know, we, we see a lot more residents coming closer to the end than we did before. Um, so uh, again, you know, once the restrictions are lifted, you know, I think families would be more open to bring their their terminally uh, ill family member a little bit earlier um, and see what, you know, what Omega House is all about and, and the compassionate care that we do give.
1: Last question for you, Mike, and my end. I was talking to Mary Niemala from the Gunlock Shelter Home a couple of weeks ago, and she said that there is a healthy number of people who use her service from outside of the general area. I was just wondering if Omega House attracts the same thing. Maybe somebody who went to Tech or Finlandia and goes, you know, this is a pretty good place. This is where I want to end up towards the end. Yeah. Um,
0: you know, primarily our service area is the four county area here. Um, uh, but we, we, we don't restrict that. I mean, if you have a, a lot of folks, um, have family members that live away, you know, elderly parents, maybe, you know, the kids have moved up here for a job. Now their families are getting older and maybe one's in an end of life situation and they want to move that their mom or dad back closer to Houghton. Um, would definitely be a great, uh, you know, um, idea to look into Omega house. If that was the case, um, this past uh, fall, we did have a, a gentleman from Escanaba. So, um, we do get them from outside of the area, outside the state, mostly because they have family in our area. So, um, but yeah, we, we just, um, uh, will take folks, uh, from anywhere that, um, that need our service.
1: And I'm going to let you kind of wrap up this interview with any final thoughts that you want to impart on the listener.
0: Well, I just want to, you know, um, say that things are going to get better and and we'll be opening up the house hopefully sooner Uh, once COVID is through. um, If you've ever had interest in um, knowing about Omega House Uh, volunteering we haven't even talked about volunteering and um, we are a volunteer driven organization so um, if you have an interest in uh, coming up and and working with our residents uh, we have many meaningful opportunities to volunteer whether that be outdoor lawn or you know maintenance outside or if you want to help prepare meals um, sit vigil with some of our um, very sick um, residents. We ask that you give us a call and and volunteer. But um, if you are interested in our services, um, give me a call at Omega House. Um, My number is 482-4438. And I'd be glad to give you a a tour and kind of go over um, the financial obligations and, and how things work.